Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. I have a curious case regarding a young cross-country runner from Texas A&M, which I, I hope I can get to later on in the hour. But first up, well, look, we're in the middle of October. Lots of things happening in the world of sports, baseball playoffs and the upcoming World Series, NFL, college football, the start of the NBA and NHL seasons. But in spite of all the great goings-on in, in those sports, I thought we should spend a little time this morning talking about soccer. And, of course, I'm talking about the U.S. men's team not qualifying for the World Cup. Their 2-1 loss to Trinidad and Tobago last week sent shockwaves throughout the U.S. soccer world. And, of course, by not qualifying, this means that the top soccer administrators here in the U.S., now have an astounding five long years to figure out what we're doing wrong with our soccer program. In short, we apparently just don't produce enough talented players out of our youth and our travel programs. Now look, even the most diehard soccer fans in Trinidad and Tobago thought they would lose. I mean, if you saw some of the replays of the games, hardly anyone showed up to watch the game against the United States. They were convinced that they weren't going to win. And with the solitary exception of Christian Pulisic, most of the commentary that I've been reading about the U.S. soccer team is that it has too many older players, too many veterans, and more importantly, very few young rising stars like Pulisic. So I want to talk about this for a little while this morning and open the phone lines right away because this is curious. Online, of course, here our number of the fan is one 337 6666 And here's what so many of us just don't understand. I mean, it seemed by all accounts that the men's soccer program was making substantial progress over the last couple of decades. But if that's true, how could they stumble so badly in these qualifying rounds? How come we're not more dominant? Yes, I know that in most countries around the world, soccer is their top national sport. Of course, I know that. But that being said, Americans have been focused on soccer big time since at least the 1980s, and yet we're still trying to find our way with the men's game. We talk all the time on the show about the U.S. Soccer Federation, how they are convinced that the only way to get soccer kids to improve is for them to basically walk away from their high school varsity teams and to play solely on a federation team. But if we look at the bottom line, is that approach really working? I mean, yeah, Pulisic is a star. But who else? So my question is this. Has the time come to go back and totally rethink about what's not working? I mean, as mentioned, 
We have five years now to reevaluate before the American team can try and requalify for the next World Cup. And here's the bottom line. How is it possible? How is it possible that we are the wealthiest and most powerful country in the world, and yet we still can't figure out how to produce top male soccer players? Now, please, don't tell me it's because soccer is new to Americans. That may have been an excuse some years ago, but it doesn't work anymore. The American men's team has made it to the World Cup playoffs pretty consistently since the 1980s and is now just uh, you know, firing or having Coach Arena you know, re- resign or firing the people in charge of the program. Does that make for a big change? I don't know. I'm curious to see, see what you think. Again, one 337 Let's start our conversation this morning. Let's go to, uh, to Dan, who's calling in from the Bronx. Dan, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. I met you uh, last week at the Catholic High School Athletic Association uh, conference. Oh, out at St. Francis Prep. Yes, Dan. Yes, yes. I, I came up with you uh, to speak with you afterwards. Thank you very much for your show. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you for coming by and, and saying hello that evening. All right. Um, I coach uh, high school soccer right now, and um, the quality of play in high school is is uh, vastly uh, inferior to like the clubs. Mm-hmm. I know that pay for play is a um, you know it's a kind of a hot topic right now, and it's, is there is, does it limit access to more players? But in the high school game, uh, it seems like it's uh, it's more results driven and not as focused on player development. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the ball will be deep either with the keeper or with uh, one of the back four, and they'll hoof it long trying for a breakaway with the striker, and it, it just cuts out the whole midfield. So kids aren't learning to kind of play with the ball. Um, so I think there's a big chasm between these um, development academies or club teams where I think they're teaching the game better and in the high school where, it's, um, you know, you might want to find like a fast striker who can run onto a long through ball, and you don't really teach, you're not really teaching the kids how to play. Dan, it's, and I think you just sort of nailed the concern and the issue here is that, well, yeah, of course, the, the traditional high school varsity programs are, are still out there. They're still thriving. But we've seen, of course, in the last generation or so that this migration of the so-called more talented players to going on to the travel programs, so, you know, federation teams, whatever it might be, where obviously that's more, I believe, more of emphasis upon individual play as opposed to team play. And, and I, I think that's where probably where we have to sort of reevaluate what, what's the best approach here. Is there a way that both high school and, and travel can coexist, or they should be melded, or there should be a whole new, whole new sort of approach entirely? Right. And I know I've listened to the show for years, and I know it's been a topic like, you know, kids are going to look back and they're going to remember playing for their high school yes. more than for like an AAU program for baseball or basketball. Like the, the identity is with the school. Right. But the, you know, if kids want to really learn how to play football really well, you know, they're going to have to, right now that game does not exist in the high schools um, for, for the most part. And what I've seen in my coaching experience. Um, and I think it's up to us who are coaches, even if we're um, underpaid or, um, even volunteers. There's lots of free information out there from U.S. Soccer about how to develop uh, the system of play that they want to see in the United States, mm-hmm. um, including um, you know drills and exercises for the midfield, how to develop players. And I think that has to be a bigger focus of um, of high school sports player development rather than just being solely focused on the results, because that's where kids who don't but maybe aren't able to pay for an expensive club team, which could be like six thousand dollars a year. Um, they're going to be able to play for their high school for, you know, maybe the cost of a uniform or some, uh, you know, athletic fee. 
Um, and those kids need to learn how to play football um, and not, you know, not have this big chasm between the quality of play in the travel programs and, and in the high school programs. Well, Dan, as I said, you, you touched on a lot of the issues here. And, yeah, first, for example, it, the way it's set up now, and I know some of, the, some of these travel programs say they offer scholarships and so on and so forth, but the fact is most kids who want to play on a, an elite travel team in soccer, it's going to cost several thousand dollars. And for most team, most families, that's a huge expense, particularly because there's no guarantee there's going to be a payoff with a college scholarship. Uh, and, and the second part, of course, is the fact that most kids like to play with their buddies from school and play on their high school team. Uh, that's the concern. And, of course, the third thing is, well, people look at, well, look at the success they have in, in South America or in Europe where most high schools don't offer varsity teams. They just say if you're good in a particular sport, you start playing on a club team when you're very young. has nothing to do with the school. So I understand there's a concern these days when it comes to, you know, having to overcome this, this tradition of playing for a, a high school team because in, in Europe or South America, they don't have the, that problem. I mean, if you're a talented soccer player in Spain or in Brazil or, or – or in Italy, you're playing for a club team independent of your school from the time you're six, seven, eight years old. That that mentality doesn't exist here in the states, uh, and that that is a concern. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for the call, Dan. Appreciate your thoughts. Uh, let's go quickly. Let's go to um, let's go to Jim and Wyckoff. Jim, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, uh, hey, Rick. I just uh, wanted to make a quick comment about um, uh, about the men's national team. Yes. Um, and inability to produce national players. I actually don't think it's a high school issue. I think that uh, being a coach myself, the level of coaching for a young age in this country has got drastically better over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. the, the, the issue you have is that in other countries, you effectively have professional athletes at the age of 16 or 17 years old. So mm -hmm. they have nothing to do with high school. They're with a professional organization. Um, they are playing in academies um, and getting the very best coaching that, that, that money can buy. And they are, they are signed to that club. They will perhaps earn a minimal wage to start with, but they are effectively the property of that club. And right. the whole concept of high school and college for soccer just does not – what you end up happening is the reason why the U.S. team doesn't have any young players is that they're not playing international football until – they're 24, 25, and quite frankly, as a soccer player, if that's kind of your peak years. Well, Jim, um, I, no, in fact, uh, and let me stop there because I'm up against the clock, and I thank you for your call, and I agree with you that, that certainly the issue is, uh, at least here in the States, as I mentioned before, in other countries around the world, they don't have to deal with uh, overcoming the legacy of a kid coming up to the ranks and wanting to play high school sports high school soccer. That doesn't happen in other countries. Here it does, and which is a problem because a kid doesn't want to do that. They, they want to go away from their high school team where they're a big star. That is a concern. I'm not sure how we get around that, but for soccer players, I mean, like the, like the Pulisa kid who obviously grew up uh, in Pennsylvania, he, you know, he eventually uh, signed to go play in Germany when he was like, uh, I guess, uh, 16 or 17 because he realized to get to the next level, he had to go play in, in better competition. All right, we're talking obviously about what happened, what's going on here with youth soccer, amateur soccer, travel soccer in the States. How come we're not producing more players of great magnitude? And what does it say about our soccer program in this country? one 337 
66 is our number. Let me take a break. Uh, Dave Uram has your update. When I come back, I'll go right back to the calls. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning about what's wrong with men's soccer in this country. I'm really focusing in particular on the youth and amateur level, and perhaps that's where all the problems uh, are really emanating from. And I'm taking your calls at one 337 6666. So far, we've established the fact that, uh, well, the problem here, one of the major problems here in the country is that that uh, we do have a long history of, of high school varsity sports, and uh, particularly with soccer. And unlike other countries around the world uh, who obviously compete and compete well in the World Cup, they don't have that, that sort of obstacle. They don't have high school soccer in European countries or in South American countries. If you're a good in soccer, uh, you automatically begin to play in an outside club team when you're very young, and you continue to progress in that club team if you have the talent. It has nothing to do with your education. It has to do with just being on that outside club team. Here in the States, it's it's a lot more complicated. I would think that's something that, uh, in particular, uh, that if I'm running the <laughs> United States uh, soccer development, I'm, I'm thinking that's one issue we really have to sort of straighten out. Anyhow, let's get back to your calls. Let's go to uh, let's go to Drool over uh, Drew in Howell. Drew, good morning. You're on the fan. <laughs> Drool, right? How yeah, are you? Drool. That's a good one. Yes, Drew. Yes, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't do that. I, I don't. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just wanted to, to to get a few seconds. You know, when when I watched soccer in this country, I watched in the seventies. I watched the Erdogan family go out and get every top soccer player and put him in a uniform, and that uniform was a New York Cosmos. They had a coach named Hennis Weisweiler, right? And he made it work. Now, you just said before you went to the break, you talked about how other countries don't really deal with this sort of problem as they pick their kids and they cherry pick, cherry pick, cherry pick. Yes. And they and and, and then these kids are given educations. They go to academies and whatnot. You know, everybody. Every soccer field in this country, on this day as we speak, is filled with parents making making out with expenses and kids with uniforms, and all these kids are good in their own right. But only one percent of those kids, maybe even less than that, is going to go on to a, a bigger deal. Couldn't the United States Soccer Federation put together a couple of academies, just like the Yankees and Casey Single did, where they had they, they had scouts in every small one light town, and they got these great kids. This breaks my heart because. I, I, the the U.S. qualifying for the World Cup was, you know, not it was not a given, but we were always in the running. And to have this done and to have this fall apart like this, and then to have it fall apart at the top with, with Beckenbauer and Arena falling apart, this really breaks my heart. But why can't the U.S. Soccer Federation just start something that takes the top 0.5% of these kids, put them in the academy you're talking about, put you at the head and make you the president of it, and just start developing kids and give them an education and give them something to look forward to because there's no pro leagues after all those, you know, soccer doesn't rival the NFL on Sunday afternoon. It no. doesn't rival the NBA or the, or the, or the, or, or hockey, but it, oh, Drew, it, let me, it let breaks me just my say heart this. because I mean, all these I, other, all these I, other countries have such great programs and we struggle, but have a great day. Thanks for taking my call. Take care. Drew, thank you. And, and I will say that, and in fact, going back to the seventies, which Drew was talking about with the cosmos, yeah, I mean, they used to pack them in at the, at the old Giants Stadium, and then you had players like uh, Beckenbauer and uh, Giorgio Canaglia and Stevie Hunt and, and Pele and those guys. But the fact is, they, were, they weren't American soccer players. They were all, all imports, and they were great stars in their own respective countries. That's why people went to watch the games, because they were fans of international soccer, uh, but there were no Americans, really, by and large, on the Cosmos. It was all international players. But Drew's point is well taken, that, that we still haven't figured this out yet in terms of the leadership uh, of the U.S. Soccer Federation. 
Uh, you know, for example, I mentioned before, like, you know, when the kids play in, in Europe uh, at young ages, uh, they, they, they don't pay to play in a club team necessarily. The, the club team is paying them to come uh, and to play for them. And that, that's a little different kind of mindset because obviously it runs counter here in this country about being an amateur or professional. But again, we, we, we have to work through all these issues. And the good news it is, seems to me, is the fact that we are the United States. We do a lot of financial resources. And we just need to get this all sort of figured out and basically to isolate the issues uh, in a form so that we don't have basically thousands of travel teams trying to figure out who's in charge, who's running the show, who's more important. I mean, we got to get this figured out. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think we still see so much you know, problems uh, and, and, and basically having run into obstacles as we get to, to compete at the elite level. Let's move on. Let's go, to, uh, let's go up to New Haven, and John is standing by. Hi, John. You're on the fan. How you doing, Rick? Good, John. Um, my son plays youth soccer. He's been playing since he was three. He's only five now. And I think one of the issues, it's not really a problem, is just that Americans have more choices. Like my son, on Saturdays when we leave soccer, I take him right to hockey. Mm-hmm. And in the fall, he plays, fall and winter, he plays hockey. Spring, he plays soccer. He's going to start baseball. And I think in soccer in Europe, by the time they're five, they already know that these kids are going to be good. And they don't have the choices that we have. And in America, by the time the kids pick a sport that they really are good at and they want to play, they're, they're freshmen in high school, and it's too late. These kids in Europe, like you said, they're already signed by the time in America, these kids pick the one sport they want to play. Well, you know, John, I thought you know maybe maybe a generation or so ago I would have agreed with that. But you know, let's face it, uh, in, in in Europe and in South America and other places around the world, you know, kids, the, the sports the kids can choose to play, whether it's hockey or soccer or or basketball or other sports, field hockey, they all do the same thing our kids do. They, they sort of migrate to those sports that they, I mean, in other words, they try a lot of sports when they're kids, when they're five or six or seven, but then they eventually migrate and find the sport they particularly excel in. So I, I, don't, think that's, I don't think that's the real concern here because, uh, I, I, you know, I do think, because I've talked to enough kids who grew up in Europe that they said, well, yeah, we didn't, we didn't specialize just in soccer. Soccer was always present because soccer is sort of like a, you know, uh, a universal language uh, for Europeans. But the fact is that they played a variety of sports as well. So I don't think that's the real concern. Um, but who knows? John, thank you for the call. Let's move on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Taylor at Long Island. Taylor, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. First time, long time. I think I would argue that we do have an, a uh, a successful soccer youth soccer program because the women seem to win yes. very, very often. Correct. And maybe this is an opportunity to take five years to put all the American energy behind the very successful uh, women's teams. Well, Taylor, Thank I will you. tell you, you oh. know us all morning. I've been very careful to talk about the U.S. men's team because clearly the uh, the women's program has been successful. As to why that has happened, I don't know what, what why there's a difference between the, the the success the women's programs have had as opposed to the men's, but clearly they, they have been successful. Uh, I think, Taylor, I think we lost the connection, but thank you for, for pointing it out. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, uh, Demianis in Huntington. Hey, uh, Eric, Samianis, yes. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, listen, uh, I, I have an international soccer academy in Smithtown for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. 
I've been I, I've been talking soccer, but the, most of the most of the uh, let's say ninety nine percent of the population here uh, they they have no idea they have no idea about the sport. <laughs> okay. And, and the problem is this: uh, it, no matter how much talent we have in this country, we can't develop it the way that we want to develop it because it's the parent that is involved wants to be the manager. And he thinks already has the a professional soccer player in his hands, and he's managing a ten-year-old, a nine-year-old, a twelve-year-old as a professional soccer player. Before even the kid can kick the ball, these guys are negotiating. They're living from one team to go to the next, to the next, to the next, mm-hmm. thinking that playing with the better players makes their son better. They are not following the structure. They are not following the fundamentals. They are not learning to soccer the right way. Their goal is to win, and they will go to any team that is winning versus the bad teams. And they think that's the right way to go about it. Now, go back to the national team. We will never have, we will never have a national team equal with any other standards in Europe or Latin America because the level of the competition in this country, in MLS and anywhere else, it's a four, five, six division in any other country. Mm-hmm. I, I always joke and I say I want to go to Flushing Meadow Park. I want to pick up eleven strangers and go and beat the Red Bulls. I want to go and beat the NYFC. The reason I'm doing that and I'm joking about it is because there is nothing. You get a college kid and you have six, seven college kids playing in your MLS team. What is your team is all about? It's a college team. So let me let me just back up for a second on this. Yes. You just said a few minutes ago, I believe that you feel that uh, one of the major concerns in this country is that the, so many of the parents are so are so preoccupied with their kid being on a better team or on a, on a better about winning and and better competition, as opposed to just basically having real more focus on having the kids learn fundamentals. Yeah, fundamentals. Learn the soccer, yes. I mean yes. that. I haven't heard that before. Is 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 that your feeling that we that forget so much the playing on an elite travel team? It's no Just... feeling, Rick. Rick, I, I'm on my life for 50 years in soccer. Right. I, I'm teaching soccer the last 15 years. Okay. Yep. The kids that they went through my academy, they play throughout. They're the best in the varsity games. They're first in this, best or that. But what does that mean? I, I you know, I have an example. I give you this example. Uh, one kid that I know very well from the Comag area went to Chievo in Italy. They opened the door for him to try out for the professional team. Right. Two weeks later, he returned back. You know why? Because his girlfriend was here, he had a car, he had a beautiful life, and he couldn't take to sacrifice anything. He had no heart. He had no goal. It wasn't his idea to go to Chievo to try out. It was probably that his parents or somebody else, his coach, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. He got the door open. Come to Chevo. We'll pay two weeks for you to try out. The Italian kids they were making fun of him because he's in America, America, America. But he didn't stick it out. They don't have the heart. Even if we have the talent and we open the door, well, I... you don't want to go through it. I know. No I understand. going to help you. No, I hear you. Interesting. Interesting perspective to be sure. Hey, thank thank you for the call this morning. You know, I you know, we're getting lots of thoughts and comments about this as to why things aren't working according to 
you know, the, 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 the overall plans, I mean, by now we would thought that the, the U.S. men's national soccer team would not just be good, but they'd be one of the elite programs in the world, obviously, you know, ideally, you know, playing for the World Cup, you know, championships. And here we are looking at a situation where they didn't qualify uh, even for it to get in. And, and, and you know, it's going to be, you know, five years before they have a shot to, to get back and, and compete. Something's wrong here. Something's wrong with what's happening with our youth programs and our the way we're developing soccer players. As I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier on the show, I know some people say, well, you know, we're still not getting the best athletes here in the States to play soccer, as they are, let's say, in Spain or in Italy or in Brazil or someplace. Yeah, but, you know, we get a lot of really good athletes in this country. We do have a lot of great facilities. We do have a lot of smart people involved in, in soccer. Why isn't it working? And, again, I think we begin to pinpoint some of the reasons why that, uh, you know, as the last caller mentioned, you know, maybe we don't spend enough time working on basic fundamentals in this country with soccer, uh, that we're so involved and so focused, particularly from the parental perspective, on just competing, getting our kid to a higher level uh, and, and winning. Maybe we're missing the boat in terms of, uh, in terms of fundamentals and, and teaching them and really drilling them in. Or maybe it's because of the fact that the high school programs still are very attractive to our kids. We've got to figure out a way to sort of mesh the high school teams with the travel teams. Maybe that's the key. But again, right now, we're just sort of going sort of like nowhere. We're just sort of uh, lost in this, uh, this, uh, this sort of miasma of not knowing what works and what doesn't work. And that's a real concern. All right, let me, let me take, a, take a time out. When I return, I'll go right back to your calls. Hey, don't forget, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, it is Football Sunday here on The Fan uh, with Mark Melusis and Dave Deal. And as always, I ask you to check out my web. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.